At one point, we had a fan, maybe for a few weeks, tattoo a picture of me and the blue goggles on his lower back. They do it. The production team does all the work. They do all the work. You get all the credit. For the record, you would be one of the steals of the broadcaster draft. We got a lot of content to cover. Let's get after it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Okay, this season, the uh, Cougar offense has really taken off, sitting in the top 10 uh, in points and yards per game. Big part of that offense coordinator, Jeff Grimes, in his third year at the helm. Here's my conversation with Jeff on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Jeff, uh, we're almost to game day, which is great, but do you like bye weeks in season? Uh, what, do you, what do you like doing during a bye week versus a game week? Um, no, to answer your first question, I don't like bye weeks. I find myself incredibly bored and, to be honest with you, sometimes <laughs> a little bit depressed. <laughs> Seriously, I, mean, I, I, I love uh, – you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I love my job. I love the kids that I coach. I love – I love the guys that I work with. And so I, I enjoy what I do every day. And certainly there's still, there are still things to do on a bye week but it's not the same uh, sense of urgency that you operate with when you're playing a game. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit, um, a little bit less intense. And then the other thing I think is, you know, when you're rolling and you're playing well, you kind of want to keep playing, you know, you want to maintain your rhythm and keep your mojo going. And so sometimes when you have a bye week you, you lose a little bit of that, but, um, you know, I think it's been really good for our players to have a little bit of time to, to recover from some of the, some of the bumps and bruises that they've gained along the way. And I feel like we've had a, a good week of practice and players legs look just a little bit fresher. And, and, uh, I really don't think we lost much with the, with the time off. A follow up on the bye weeks, then we'll talk about North Alabama. After Saturday, you're going to have one game in the next four weeks. Now there could be a game added; we don't know at this point, right? But uh, what does what does that mean for the program in terms of yeah, you want to keep playing and rolling, but you kind of don't have a choice. You'll have San Diego State on December 12th. Yeah, you know, I think one of the strengths of this team has been that we've made the both the best of both types of scenarios when we've had to play fast and play several weeks in a row or when we've had time off, even when we've had unexpected time off. And I would go, I'd go back even to the time when we were quarantined and our players were away from us for a period of time. I think our guys made the most of that situation. And, you know, something I said a number of times as we, as we started fall camp is that my hope was, and my feeling was that we would be, ahead of some other programs for two reasons. One, we have a lot of experience coming back. Two, the type of individual that we have on our team is the type of guy that's self-motivated, um, has the, the ability to push himself, even maybe when he's working out in his garage or he's going to run at the park or watching film on his own. And so even going way back to then, I think, I think we've been a team that's shown that we can make the best of whatever scenario is placed in front of us. Um, so um, this will just be another one of those where it'll be unusual. Of course, we'll have the Thanksgiving holiday, and that'll be some good some good time to spend with family. Again, some time to to uh, to rest up, and then and then we'll get after it again and get ready for a, for another good opponent. Okay, North Alabama has not won a game, but they've played two FBS teams tough, and one of those was Liberty. Uh, we're only down 7 nothing at half. 
haven't allowed a point uh, in the first quarter. So what sticks out about the Lions defense? Yeah, they've got some talent. They've got um, a lot of size, particularly up front, a lot of really big physical defensive linemen. Their defensive tackles will be as big as anybody that we've played this year, bigger, bigger than most, maybe the biggest that we've seen. Um, some some real length that defensive end that can present some problems for you, and so um, it'll be a nice a nice challenge for our offensive line to to uh, square off against a bunch of big guys, and you know we've got a bunch of big guys too, and so we'll be looking forward to the challenge. They like to to slow the game down and limit possessions. Liberty only had fifty eight plays, so is this a situation where you may want to take the ball if you win the coin toss? Well, that's something that we talk about each week. Typically, we like to defer um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, traditional thinking is that that second half start is really important, and that gives you one more possession in the second half, hopefully. Um, And then we have a lot of confidence in our defense, and if our defense can stop someone and give us a short field and, and play with with good field position early, then I think that's that's uh, positive for us. And so. Uh, that's something that we that we do as a general rule. Um, and, you know, you're going to get the ball one way or the other um, at the beginning of a half. And so we'll take it whichever whichever one uh, coach decides to go with. We're talking with offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes on BYU Sports Nation. I wanted to pick your brain about success and how it's handled. So you're the offensive line coach on a bunch of good good teams, the best team, perhaps the 2010 Auburn team where you win the national championship. What is it about success and either ignoring or embracing that that you can leverage and help a team with, in particular this team that's in the top ten? Well, um, on the on the teams that I've that I've been a part of where we've had success, and I and I have referenced that team to to our offense here as we've talked this year, and a couple other teams that I've been a part of. I think the thing that that sticks out to me about those teams is that you have the the ability to recognize when you're in the middle of something special and because of that you recognize that every week the game gets a little bit bigger and so your competitive spirit and your your willingness to fight to hang on to what you have that that undefeated record um brings out the best in you and then i think on the flip side, you have the the capacity to say anything that we've done prior to this really doesn't mean anything in regards to this game. I heard Zach say not long ago, um, none of that matters if we don't keep winning. And that's so true. And, and I've said every week to our players, our record is zero and zero right now. We're playing a one-week season and all that matters is the is the task at hand this week. And I think our players have really embraced that. And that's been the case with, with the best offenses and the best teams that I've been a part of in the past. And I'm really proud of how our guys have, have been able to handle that this year. Zach Wilson's elevation from a sophomore to a junior has been incredible. He's in the Heisman conversation with everybody, top five everywhere, which is really fun. It's been a long time since BYU had a guy this late in the season in that situation. What role do you play, if any, in helping, of course, the team win, but also Zach in this pursuit, which helps the program as well. What role do I have with Zach in particular? Is that the question? In the Heisman conversation, because obviously you want to win every game, but is there a situation where you're trying to help him on this pursuit in the meantime as well? 
Well, I think what, you know, our job as coaches is to help all of our players be the best players they can possibly be. And then any, any awards or acclaim that might come to, to individuals or groups comes as a result of playing their best and performing their best. And so, um, you know, the, the message that I've tried to, to send home to Zach every week is just to focus on being the best player he can be that particular week, that particular series. And really I've got to give most of the credit to, to Aaron, to coach Roderick. I think he's done a tremendous job preparing him each week and putting him in, in the best position to, to make plays and make decisions. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing for us as coaches is just to recognize that our job is to take, take something in a, in a player and bring him from where he is to something even a little bit more than that. And, and hopefully something maybe even a little bit more than he recognized he could be. And, you know, Zach's one of those kids that's always been, uh, very, very confident. But one of the things I've been really impressed with, um, in regards to his, his, um, his outlook on this year is how he's stayed humble and he's been a great teammate and he really hasn't allowed any of that hype to get to him. And I've seen a lot of players in that position, particularly towards the end of the season where it began to impact how they played and how they um, related to their teammates. And I haven't seen that at all with Zach and, and really quite the opposite. So really impressed with his humility and his work ethic and, and, you know, I guess my biggest role has been if anybody asks me, I just tell them that he he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. And I've only been around one other quarterback that that has had a season like this. And that guy won the Heisman. So, yeah, I think he ought to be there. Yeah, he's absolutely saying and doing the right things. Uh, let's finish with this, Jeff. Besides winning, what are your goals for Saturday against North Alabama? To play our best game. That's that's the thing that I keep pressing our guys towards every week. And that's one thing that, that we hit them hard with on Monday after taking a week where we didn't do a lot of practicing. The players did more lifting and running. We as coaches spent a lot of time doing some self-scout, self-evaluation, and took a deep dive into uh, looking at what we've done this season and how we can improve. And, and we found that, like any good organization, there are still a lot of ways we can improve. And we're leaving a lot of yards and points on the field at times, and there are a lot of things that we can do better. And so – We've pressed our players to try to make this their best week of preparation and, and hopefully go out and play the best game that we've played as, as an offense this Saturday. Well, we're certainly looking forward to game nine on BYU TV and, of course, BYU Radio. Jeff, we appreciate the time. Hey, you got it, man. BYU Offensive Coordinator Jeff Grimes with Jerem Jordan one-on-one on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. I wonder if his play calling uh, affects, uh, you know, him. Th- Zach Wilson's Heisman campaign affects his play calling. That's one thing I wonder. Also, I was looking at the numbers this morning of BYU's jump from year uh, one, two to three now. If BYU football, specifically the offense, was a Major League Baseball player, I would wonder if it was on steroids because look at the jump of 16.7 points per game from last year to this year. That's pretty incredible. It's kind of like Brady Anderson, 95 to 96. You have to bring up my Baltimore six, Orioles. Six to, it's not the team. It's just Brady. 16 homers to 50 and then down to like 20. So uh, I'm not saying BYU is doing anything nefarious. What I'm saying is the improvement from BYU is notable. There was a more winnable schedule. And the combination of those two has been explosive in an awesome way for the BYU offense. It's been pretty cool to see. You know what else? Jeff Grimes' play calling effects this season? His status and uh, 
head coach ability? Perhaps. Or After being season? an offensive coordinator, he's just becoming more and more um, desirable for other schools. And, and let's be fair to the situation. When there is a, a person who is a coordinator, it does not necessarily mean they are the play caller in every instance. Because we know that Aaron Roderick is heavily involved in this process. That Fessy Sataki is involved as well. You know who else was a uh, play caller for like, I don't know, six years in Southern Utah? Steve Clark. So there are a lot of great minds on this sure. staff. Let's not Abs- act like no, 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 absolutely. it's one guy, whether that's Grimes, a Grimes has done an awesome job of collaborating with these guys and figuring out what's best. No question. Yeah. That said... When his name is said on TV, he just by nature takes most of the credit for what BYU's offense is doing. It's not fair all the time. Yeah, yeah, because he has a title. But he's got the title and he's taking the credit. No, absolutely. That's the case with Deep Blue. I do very little, but I'm the executive producer. (laughs) They do. The production team does all the work. They do all the work. You get all the credit. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. A lot of people feel like BYU is playing with free or house money based on where they are in the AP poll Mm. and positioning for not just a New Year's Six, but maybe an outside shot of the college football playoff. That takes us to Cougars in the Rankings, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. We have talked for a cruising altitude. Yes, they are. We have talked at length that BYU holding steady. Number eight AP poll, number eight in the coaches poll. S&P Plus. They dropped a spot, Jerem, down to number seven from number six. Bill Connolly. Does he hate hate the Cougars? No, he hates the Cougars. (laughs) FPI at number 12, Sagarin at number 11. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about the steady numbers, not just in the AP and coaches poll, but in the other metrics that matter? In the men's basketball committee for March Madness, Tom Hummel told us all about the nuances of net and quads, and they, they use some of these uh, rankings. We don't know what football does. They just kind of – I don't know what – do they use this stuff? Because if they look at Sagarin and FPI and SP+, blah, 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 then this matters, right? The point is that BYU is in the top 12. BYU is in the top 12. They're in a pretty good spot to make the New Year's. In all five. So, uh, yeah, and, and that's the case. Are we ignoring one where they aren't in the top five that's major? I think we have all the major ones in there, right? I, because what you do is you ignore things that are inconvenient or don't fit your agenda generally. So I, I think that we are good here. We like to be as fair as possible. Granted, we see the world through the blue goggles. We get it. But, uh, yeah, so far so good. BYU uh, stays eight in the AP. Certainly that will influence the committee. I, I'd be shocked if the committee's like, no, no, BYU's 14th in eight days. That's not going to happen. I don't think so. And I think it's fair to look at the aggregate of all of these numbers. Adding all of the Someone, five up, it's 46 divided by five. That's 9.2, okay? Someone does that with all the rankings, by the way. Ooh. Like, but it's yourmom.blogspot.com <laughs> has, like, a chance to get in that, which is an excellent. I think your mom does an excellent uh, block. But, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't give any credence to that. Like, that's what Bracket Matrix is for basketball. There's one for football, but I don't pay attention to it. Okay. Massey? No, no, no. What is it? I can't remember. Of the five that we think are the most credible, the average, or the aggregate, is 9.2 for BYU. Right. Top 10. Awesome. Let's yes. Go. It is fantastic. And that has led BYU to being primarily projected into a New Year's Six bowl game. Let's Not everybody, look at the though. Latest. Not everybody. It's just... <sighs> I don't know why. Jerry. <sighs> Bill. 
William. <laughs> ESPN and uh, their top two projecting BYU into the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. Mark Schlebaugh, Kyle Bonagura, College Football News, Fiesta Bowl, BYU yep. against Oregon. Love it. The Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report. Orange Bowl against Miami. I don't if think that's happening. you have kids, you know exactly what that was. If you don't, you have no clue. <laughs> I don't think a game against Miami in the Orange Bowl is going to happen. I just don't Orange, think... Orange Bowl? It's SEC Big Ten versus yeah, ACC. What? That feels weird. And I know that there are stipulations that, well, it depends on which conference gets two teams in the playoff. Like, Miami's playing in that game, maybe, right? Or Notre Dame-Clemson. Hey, they may both be in the playoff, Notre Dame-Clemson. Here's where, here's where it gets interesting. Probably not. CBS Sports, Jerry Palm. Jerry, what are you doing, man? <laughs> the Armed Forces Bowl <laughs> against SMU. Jerry Face Palm. That's, Why? Why? That's, that's your nickname now. Why? Jerry Face Palm. Like, does Jerry think that BYU is going to lose to San Diego State? Or drop Und- so much. Undefeated that- BYU goes to the Armed Forces Bowl. What? Can you imagine the disappointment? Then BYU would mail it in like they did in the 08 Vegas Bowl. Ugh. It's like, eh. Ugh. Well, we, we lost twice. We're 24-7 happy. sports. Armed Forces Bowl against SMU. Are they looking at Jerry Palm's projections and then just retweeting? <laughs> <laughs> Sporting news. William Bender, Gasparilla versus Tulane. Is oh. Gasparilla Bowl even going to happen in oh, 2020? Gosh. Fill this room with gas. Uh, college sports madness, first responders versus Memphis. Can you imagine if BYU doesn't make a New Year's Six? We went from chatting about the college football playoff to playing in just a regular game, although we've been pretty spoiled with this year. It's been pretty awesome, right? But the last three years, like at least the Hawaii Bowl was in Hawaii. Yes. You know what I mean? And San Diego, before that, Poinsettia, 2017 was, 2018 was Potato Bowl, but, and they were cool, but uh, it was 18 for 18. It produced a perfect game. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. By the way, oh, Zach Wilson has won his last two games on the blue now. Yes, he has. Yes. The, the Armed Forces Tobias, Bowl. We're going to call him Tobias Funke. First responders. Like, what? what is happening here? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, do but, I even well, want to know? Again, again, we just did what I said, which is if we don't like it or it's inconvenient, that we dismiss it. We just did that. We're like, hey, New Year's Six, that's good. The other ones, oh, you're garbage. We did the hey, same listen, thing. Listen, I'm throwing, I'm throwing the flag. You we still, I do. We still have those. I didn't, have we, throw, we haven't, we haven't I'm busted these the out in like two years. I'm throwing the flag on yeah. Jerry Palm, Bill Bender, anybody else that yeah. BYU in a New Year's Six. Jerry, just don't throw that at someone's face. Good grief. The best of BYU Sports Station will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome an ESPN College Football Insider and Analyst, BYU National Champion Trevor Maddich for another Maddich Monday on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Trevor, welcome to the program. Happy Monday, my friend. And I want to start with this. It was pretty cool to watch Alex Smith do what he did yesterday for the Washington football team, passing for almost 400 yards. It was. It was the most he's ever passed for. And he did it with a makeshift offensive line and a running game that still isn't working. So that is a wonderful thing, considering that two years ago he had a a gruesome broken leg during a game, laying on the field. There was a chance he could lose his leg, a chance he could lose his life. And he fought back not just to get back into the NFL, but to start a game last week. And he will continue to be their starter, I think, and to have 
the best game of his career. So that is a wonderful, wonderful story that continues with Alex Smith. Yeah, you you cover the Washington football team, hence the uh, coverage of that. We don't just bring up random mutes for no reason, but a great story with Alex Smith. Let's talk about BYU okay, and the Random mutes can be fun. Yeah, <laughs> random mutes. It's a segment that we're going to yeah. uh, do starting yeah. uh, tomorrow. Uh, BYU and the national conversation. Some of the fear in the last six weeks from uh, with BYU is, okay, will they stay in the, in the conversation by only playing two games? Now, there were several cancellations of notable games, only five of the – well, five of the top eight teams didn't even play. You just seem to maintain where they were, not only in the rankings, but in the conversation. What did you learn about where BYU fits in spite of a bye? You know, I learned that the respect holds. It's not just a matter of a team. Like take Liberty, for example. Liberty is 8-0. They are doing a great job. It's a fantastic story. They went on the road and beat a really tough Virginia Tech team a week or two ago. And Liberty's not getting the respect that BYU is. And it's no, nothing against Liberty. I'm just talking about the difference in the way I think people around the country, and especially voters in the AP poll, see what the Cougars are doing and the way they anticipate they will match up against other teams that are highly ranked. That's why they're up there at number eight. It is the respect and the understanding of the way football is played and the way this team plays it. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. The BYU Cougars, a 47-and-a-half-point favorite against North Alabama. Trevor, are you in on 47-and-a-half for BYU against the Lions? Well, you know, I I think that's a lot of points. Uh, Not that BYU isn't that much better. I mean, the Lions aren't doing very well this year. They've only played three games, I believe. They're trying to cobble together a season, much like BYU has. And so this is no disrespect to them, just to say – that I, I think BYU will most likely come out with a roar and then pull their starters back. Really, this game, it won't impress anybody. If they put 100 points on North Alabama, it would just make people mad at them, right? If they put 50 points on them, people would say, okay, if they beat them by three touchdowns, nobody's going to think BYU isn't as good as they thought. I think the main idea in this game is to get the starters to break a sweat, the starters to maintain their rhythm because now rhythm is going to be important because they'll only have one game left after this, and then get them off the field so that they're not hurt. That's what I think will happen. That's why 47 seems like a lot. Trevor, we're eight days away from the first college football playoff ranking, which is the one that will matter. Five weeks left in the season. BYU is going to play twice. Let's update a conversation we've had several times. Do you feel like at this point, BYU needs to add a game, or will they be okay in a pursuit of a New Year's Six? I think in a pursuit of a New Year's Six, they'll be pretty good. Now, they have to beat... North Alabama, I think they will. Then that San Diego State game is extremely tricky. They would need to win that game and look good, and I think it would be a very good chance they would be in the New Year's Six. Not guaranteed, but very good chance. I think the, the committee understands that they're supposed to have the, the 12 best teams, right? But there's also this notion of in this COVID um, era, which team is going to draw the most eyeballs to the TV broadcast because you're not going to be able to fill the stadium. And BYU is one of those teams that has a built-in audience, not just in the United States, but worldwide, both in members of the church and also in people that have grown up with BYU football and have identified it as a really exciting brand of football. When that Y on that helmet rolls out onto the field, they know whether they're a Cougar or not. They know it's something fun is going to happen. So I think that's one of the reasons there might be a benefit of the doubt towards them if they, if they went out towards the New Year's Six. Playoff is a different issue. But right now, I think New Year's Six is definitely within their reach. 
Trevor, much has been discussed about the almost three-week layoff for BYU football after they play North Alabama and then will take on San Diego State on December 12th. Are you of the opinion that if games pop up, availability within the Pac-12 specifically, we saw Colorado's athletic director saying, we'll do anything we can to play games. We know Arizona State's having some serious problems. Utah hasn't even stepped on the field. Are you in favor of BYU because of the locale based on uh, where they fit uh, with Pac-12 teams going out and getting teams like that to add another game to the schedule? I am absolutely in favor of it. And I would guess that the BYU administration is as well. I think the problem would be the Pac-12 conference and their bylaws. In the Big Ten, Nebraska tried to do that. They had a game canceled because of COVID from their opponent. So Nebraska scheduled a game or lined up a game with Chattanooga, Tennessee Chattanooga. So they could at least play that week. And the Big Ten said, nope, you're not going to do it. It's conference games only. Now the question will be, what will the Pac-12 want to do about that? I know they're extremely sensitive to the fact that COVID is out there at all, much less now adding to it that they've had a bunch of games canceled and they've had COVID issues. And one of their most beloved head coaches, Herm Edwards of Arizona State, announced that he was COVID positive. So these are all things that really make people want to take the most cautious road. And if they have a team have a game canceled, but that team is healthy, to schedule another game with another team might be a bridge too far for some of the decision makers. I hope not. I hope that they would allow it, but I don't know that it will. If they do, I think BYU would go anywhere and play anybody. For goodness sake, Ohio State and Alabama had their games canceled last week because their opponents had COVID issues. I, I think BYU would have gone to either one of those places, Columbus or Tuscaloosa, and played them without any game planning if they had the opportunity. But, again, the conferences have a lot to say about it. Yeah, and it would have blown up the New Year's Six opportunity probably, right? If you want to get in the playoff, well, I guess schedule something. But No, but it might have but, – but, Jeremy, it might have put him in the playoff. Right. It, and if BYU <laughs> uh, beats Alabama, they deserve to be in the playoff. Absolutely. Uh, right. But, but well, that's, listen, a diff- they're not, that's a different they're, they're topic. No, they're no filet of fish sandwich, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Nice <laughs> reference to the summer. Let's talk about Zach Wilson and the uh, Heisman campaign. Is the, is the peak for him being a finalist? Because it feels like it's going to be tough for a non-Power 5 player to win a Heisman in the modern era. If he is a finalist, is that the peak? I, I think right now that is the most reasonable ceiling this year. Not because of his play, but because of the way the schedule turned out. And I don't think it's because he's not a Power 5 player. I think it's because... The, the schedule was completely reworked after COVID. If he had had the slate of Power 5 opponents that were on the original schedule, then he would have a much better chance of reaching the very top. But because of the schedule, I think voters might be reticent about that. Another problem is that the top front runners are playing you know, other schedules. I mean, you've got Alabama, Mac Jones quarterback. And they are likely to win the SEC, certainly to get to the SEC championship and face the Florida quarterback, Kyle Trask, who I think should be the front runner right now. And the winner of that game may end up being the Heisman Trophy winner. Then you've got Trevor Lawrence, who's been respected for years out at Clemson, and Justin Fields, who only has three games in so far. But he is also highly respected. And I think there's so much oxygen uh, sucked up by the conversation about those guys that you need something special to break in. And right now, the special means a Heisman moment or many Heisman moments against highly respected opponents. That happened for Zach Wilson at Boise State. 
that's a highly respected defense. And I think the season will prove out that it is a worthy defense. And he put 51 points on those guys and just had a phenomenal game. Okay, that's one. Now what? That's the problem. And none of that is Zach Wilson's fault. If Zach Wilson were to be in the Heisman consideration tomorrow, say they give out the the trophy tomorrow, where would you place him in your Heisman finalist category? I would place him right now, let's see, I would place him about fourth or fifth, probably fifth. I'd put those other quarterbacks ahead of him right now uh, because of the schedule that they've played and the moments that they've been able to have. The one that's the diciest under that standard is Clemson's quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. His biggest opportunity for a massive national showcase Heisman moment was at Notre Dame a few weeks ago. Clemson lost that game in overtime, and Trevor wasn't able to play because of COVID protocols. So now his next big moment will come in the ACC championship game, uh, assuming that they and Notre Dame get there and that he can play. But if he lights up Notre Dame's defense, that will be a moment that would put him definitely in the top four. Then I've got you know Kyle Trask of, of Florida we've talked about, Mac Jones of Alabama, Justin Fields, Ohio State. I think all of those are likely to finish ahead of Zach Wilson, but I don't think they'll finish ahead of him to the degree that Wilson won't be one of the finalists. I think he's got a very, very good chance to be one of the finalists. Now, normally that means you go to New York. This time it means you will zoom in to Bristol because that's what's going to happen with the, with the Heisman ceremony. But once again, this is not a matter of whether or not Zach is talented enough or accomplished enough to be considered a top Heisman contender. And the he most- a top, I mean, to win it is what I mean. It's all about how the schedule has conspired against him the most prestigious college football Zoom conference ever. Trevor, I do want to ask you, because we mentioned you cover the Washington football team, Zach Wilson was projected by Yahoo Sports lead NFL draft analyst Eric Edholm as the number five pick overall on this year's NFL draft going to the Washington football team. Would Zach Wilson be a good fit for your Washington football team? I think he would. He'd be a good fit anywhere because he can do it all. He's got the mobility to be able to bring in the, the mobile quarterback playmaking that's important in the NFL these days, especially when you look at guys like Kyle Murray of Arizona, right? So you need that mobility. He's got that mobility. You need a really quick release when you're playing behind the, the offensive line that Washington has because that's a, that's a line that is really struggling right now. You also need a quick release and an understanding of what's happening on the defensive side of the ball so you can get the ball out quickly because of that offensive line. And because Zach Wilson is known as a – not just a, a, a guy who works out and does the physical work, but a guy who goes far beyond the extra mile to do the mental work, to understand defenses, to understand nuances, and even more important, to understand what to do when things break down. That's important because if everything's going right, it's easy to be a good quarterback. And if the first thing is not right, you go to number two, you go to number three, that's pretty good. What if it's all gone? Then what do you do? Do you have a plan or do you now just react? And Zach Wilson seems to have a plan a lot of the times when that happens. These are all reasons that going to a bad team, which he will do if he goes in the top five, it'll by definition be a bad team if a good team doesn't trade way up. Trevor Matt, a good fit. you can handle any question, whether it's about a random Utah football player or it's about Zach Wilson's Heisman or BYU in the college football playoff conversation. You do it all, and we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Well, you're very welcome. Let me just say this one thing to praise that random Utah football player. Alex Smith may be the best mentor as a veteran quarterback of young quarterbacks in college in, in the NFL. He mentored uh, Patrick Mahomes at Kansas City, and Mahomes raves about him. It would be an honor for Zach Wilson to learn from that guy. Ooh, there's some fodder there. Thanks for the input, Trevor. Great to talk to you again, man. Okay. 
Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Should BYU try to line up a game against Utah and risk a potential New Year's Six game? If it's for a game against Utah this season, yes, Jerem. Advantage BYU across the board. They have played eight games. Utah, unfortunately for them, can't get on the field. And they're scheduled to play Arizona State on November 28th. Arizona State might not play another game this season. I'm not joking. Like it, it, the situation is dire there with COVID. I, I want a revamp of Herm Edwards' quote because he's the head coach at Arizona. You play to play a game. Yeah. That would be good for Arizona State. So with Utah scheduled to play Arizona State over Thanksgiving weekend, ah, uh, now we're throwing on the traditional matchup between BYU and Utah that time of year. You dirty dog. And Utah might just be available. Oh, by the way, they're 40 minutes away from Provo. BYU has clearly shown they're interested in playing that game. But if you're Kyle Whittingham, think about this. You've got a nine-game streak hanging over BYU's head. Why would you want to risk that this year if you're Kyle Whittingham? 10 is coming, by the way. 10-0 and for BYU. Oh, see what I did there? See what I did there? And would a win over Utah help BYU get to 10-0? and Listen, I'm told that BYU and Utah have talked. Multiple times. Yes! Uh, There's no game lined up, though, which means that probably Utah doesn't want to play the game. Why would Utah not want to play the game? Like you said, I get it. Like, they don't want to. Why? We're just trying to do our own thing in the league and blah, blah, blah. Like, and look at it from Utah's perspective. BYU is in the top ten. You know, we've made this assumption with adding games that other teams, one, have the capacity or right to do so within their league, and two, actually want to do so. You know who doesn't want to play BYU? Like almost everybody. Most, most teams don't want Like to. almost everybody does not want to play BYU. They're watching them and they're going, oh, Navy? Oh. No, well, we, Army looked at the Navy game and was like, no thanks, we're good. We just, yeah. I mean, if, That's if, canceled, by the way. That's like not postponed. Oregon, that's canceled. And you're being projected to play BYU in the Fiesta Bowl. Why would Oregon schedule BYU late in the season? It's, like, it's nah, going to be in the Fiesta Bowl. It's going to be hard enough just to play games in the Pac-12, let alone win all of them. There's an assumption that people want BYU. That's not the case per se. BYU has looked into trying to get more games. We know this. I'm telling you this, right? But it hasn't happened quite yet for whatever reason. Some of those reasons are that teams don't want to play BYU. I know of multiple, multiple teams that BYU's reached out to, and they've been told, no, we don't want a game, right? They don't want to smoke because that man is leading BYU to a special season. And yes, the schedule is different. BYU has, one, improved. Two, played a different schedule. There have been some challenges on it. Fewer than the original one. But BYU has not only won, but dominated in every game but one. People don't want to smoke. Utah doesn't want to smoke. Are you sure? I know that Utah has played nine in a row. But they don't want to smoke this year. They just don't. Why would they put that streak on the line? Yeah. Okay. It makes sense. Maybe this reason. Because they'd have the opportunity to derail one of the greatest BYU football seasons in history. Are they that petty and vindictive that that would drive Both them to are this game? petty and vindictive. We can ruin BYU's chances at a New Year's Six game. We can ruin their undefeated season. And there's an opportunity to beat them ten times in a row. We can show people that they're pretenders and not contenders. 
Is that enough to get Utah into that game? I don't think it is, Jerem. I do not think yeah. it is. I think that the I winning streak the- and the situation, because Utah has not played. It, They're not ready to go. Like, it's not favorable for Utah. Right. These are situations that are, yes, way more favorable for BYU. Like, and I don't want to – here's what's annoying. BYU's good this season, finally. I don't want to get on the high hill and, like, be lobbing grenades at everybody, <laughs> per se. Like, because I understand the history around what's – last three years, BYU's not been that good. They finally got good this year. It's awesome. It's fun. We're enjoying it. Zach Wilson's incredible. He's going to be gone. Uh, you know, there may be coaches gone. Like, this is it. Next year, BYU's going to return to probably a 7-5 and five situation because they're going to lose some weapons. They're going to lose uh, some coaches. They're going to play 7 power 5s. We're enjoying this season as it comes, right? Utah may even win the game next year. Who knows? Hopefully BYU wins it, whatever. But would you risk a New Year's Six for this game? I would not, personally. I would. I, I, I would not. I, 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 would, I value getting to a New Year's Six more than anything relative to Utah. There is a lot of ground to be gained by beating Utah. And I think BYU There's would more ground to be lost love that than there is to be gained. But what are the percentages? We just went through how it's the conditions are much more favorable for BYU. They, they are, but the ROI is not high enough. Everybody before the season was so direly affected by COVID felt like this is the year. This is the year that BYU can beat Utah. This, this is the year. You know how you get into – you know why BYU is undefeated and, and uh, New Year's Six conversation? Because they didn't have the schedule they had before, right? Is Boise they, State a better team than Utah right now? I think they are. It's hard to know. Utah hasn't played a game. It's like hard to assess them if they haven't played a game, right? I would like to see them play to say, hmm, they're good or they're not. Maybe you'll change your opinion if they play USC and don't look very good, right? Well, USC <laughs> will probably have like a tipped ball for a touchdown in the last two minutes to win. To win 17-14. Yeah, and it's like, wait, is USC good or are they lucky? Better Dang. to be lucky than good? Yeah. I, no, I, I want BYU in a New Year's Six more than I want anything else. You think about it. BYU just fired seven sports information directors. Don't tell me money isn't an issue right now for everybody, including Brigham. Uh, getting into a New Year's Six would be the financial boon of the century for BYU. I don't need a uh, big-chested, puffy, wannabe, tough situation saying, yeah, let's schedule Utah to risk that. I don't need that. I don't need that. Lose the ego. Uh, let's let's BYU win the next two games, get to New Year's Six, and then you uh, play Utah next year. It would be incredible to earn a New Year's Six spot with a win over Utah. You can Utah. do it without it. So why add it? You can do it without it. Because you want to get rid of the losing streak, and you have this idea of wanting to I like to New Year's Six people greater run. than that. I, a win. I do too, but if, this is, if Utah wants to add the game, I say bring it on. Utah doesn't want to add the game. That conversation's been happening for a while. They, listen, you don't see, you think BYU and Utah for the first time like today are like, oh yeah, maybe we should play before the season when before uh, you know after it was canceled or what the game was canceled. Like, hey, we still want the game. Blah blah. blah. BYU always wants the game. You know who doesn't want the game? Utah. They didn't want it because they're like, ah, we have Florida. Can we take a break? BYU's like, oh okay, but we want the game. BYU always wants. The game. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Last night I had the opportunity to speak with one of the most soft-spoken giants on the BYU football team. He has huge NFL dreams and huge aspirations for this BYU football team in 2020. Kyrus Tonga on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. 
Kyrus, what in the world does one of the premier defensive linemen in the country in college football do when you have a week off? What's your bi-week go-to activity? We work hard still. Uh, we don't take any breaks off. We, we're hitting the, the weight room harder than ever, and we're conditioning, making sure we stay at the top. So it's been a, a hard week of, of prepping, and uh, we're excited for this upcoming game. So. There's no rest for the best. Albeit, you do have to probably watch a lot of football. And I mm -hmm. asked this to your teammate, Tyler Algier, but how much football did you watch last weekend while you had a break? Oh, the whole Saturday. I watched uh, probably every college game I could uh, possibly watch with my brother. So it was, a, it was a fun weekend for me. What'd you learn about your team when you compare and contrast the Cougars that you play for this year against some of the other top teams in the country? Um, I don't know. There's um, it's hard to say. We're we're just having fun with it. It's been it's been super fun to be on this team. Um, to be with guys who are bought in and who are uh, having fun, cheering each other on is it's just a different atmosphere uh, from past seasons with uh, with different teams we've been on. So it's been um, it's been real fun to be on this team. Now you made it clear that you felt like this specific team was very different than the teams that you've been a part of in the past, and you put that on social media. In fact, I think you said, to quote you, "We want all the smoke." When all the games went away, you said, "We want all the smoke." Why did you feel like this team was different, and that you were ready for something significant? Um, just how uh, just with everything that went on this uh, this past year. Um, just everything in the beginning from not being able to play college football and everyone's season getting canceled. Um, we stayed a uh, super close knit as a, a, a close group and we continue to work. We stay optimistic. We told each other that we're going to have the season. Um, Tom Homo and Coach Kalani and our, our coaching staff did a great job with, with getting us games last minute. And we're super fortunate to be in this position and we're just super excited to just see them play. So it was uh, definitely a different mentality coming into the season. And as uh, we've been having fun with this. So. Now, much has been said about the three-week layoff between North Alabama and San Diego State and the openings that BYU has available. Do you still want all the smoke if Tom Holmo and company add another game on uh, either of those open dates? Of course. We, uh, we'd love to play as many games as possible. Um, and that's I can speak for, for a lot of guys on the team. We just want to play. We just want to have fun. This is fun, and uh, we just want the season to continue to go. Of course, it starts with North Alabama uh, on Saturday in uh, what should be a pretty mild November climate, albeit with just family and friends there to help out with the COVID scenario. So what type of welcome and atmosphere are you expecting on Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium against North Alabama? I think it's going to be good. It's going uh, to be real fun. And uh, North Alabama coming in is going to be uh, – we know they're not going to take it easy. Uh, they, they've had uh, – they played great games this season. And we know they have uh, a lot of good skilled players and uh, great players that can make great plays. So uh, we're definitely not taking them lightly, but we're excited to, uh, to play this week. Now, it's very easy, especially when the media says BYU is going to win this game by 40-plus points, to kind of take it easy and not go as hard as you would. So how – how are you combating that idea? Why do you feel like you're going to show up and, and be the BYU team that you've been all season? It's just our mentality. Uh, we've never looked at a team that uh, 
despite of their record. Uh, we know that uh, every team is, is hard to win a, a college football game. And you see upsets everywhere around the nation. And uh, we know that can happen to us any week. So that's our mentality. We know uh, we always got to be at the top of our game each week. And um, we're just excited to to play this week after coming off a of bye week and uh, just grateful to be in this position. So, Kyrus, it's basically impossible to block out all of the positive noise for BYU with the number eight ranking in both major polls. And BYU is expected to be in their first ever college football playoff poll, and that's released on November 24th. And you're being projected to play in a New Year's Six bowl game against the likes of Oregon. What do you think about all that attention? It's cool, I guess. But, um, we're just having fun. We're taking it week by week. Um, in the locker room, we don't even talk about it. Um, we hear about it, of course, and uh, we're grateful for, like, all the fans who, who hype us up and our families who hype us up. But we know uh, that anything could change any week. So uh, we're taking it week by week, like I said, and uh, focusing on, on each game. So. All right, let's talk about your position group specifically. Obviously, you draw a lot of attention, a lot of double teams. But let's talk about the guys around you and what you've seen from them in progression. Zach Dodd, Bracken L. Bakri, Tyler Batty, among others. How has the defensive line maybe surprised you this year? Um, with this year, just no drop-offs. Um, our rotations, everyone's confident in each other. Uh, we have no worry about who's on the field at, at any moment. We trust each other that much. And uh, everyone's just uh, super pumped just to be able to play on the field with each other. So it's been a, it's been such a, a tight group. And um, I'm grateful for these guys and everything that they've taught me and, and the learning process we've got to go through through the offseason and being able to, to lean on, on each other and, and to play for each other. So it's been, uh, it's been very fun to be with this, uh, this group of men. Yeah, understandably, this has been a very fun season, probably a gross understatement there, especially when you're lining up next to Bracken Al Bakri. I mean, that guy, he is a one-in-a-million personality. Oh. What's it like to play on the defensive line in the heat of battle with Bracken Al Bakri? So easy. It is so easy. It makes my job um, way easy for me. Bracken is a uh, Bracken. I feel like is probably one of the the best D tackles to play here at BYU, and that's a. Uh, and we had a lot a, a lot of good D linemen that that been here, and Bracken's just uh, at the top of the list with uh, with a uh, with a bunch of uh, guys who who've been here. So Bracken's is a he's a monster, funny, goofy guy off the field, on the field. Scary guy. I wouldn't want to go against him. So I'm lucky to uh, to have the, have have him next to me on on the same team. So well, that's a real compliment coming from you because I think everyone's afraid to uh, play against you, Kyrus. So uh, I'm going to make sure that Bracken hears about that. Some serious love. Oh, make sure make sure he hears it. <laughs> okay, I, and I, I know that many people are familiar with your special bond and relationship with Kalani Satake. What has it meant to you? to see him enjoy this type of success and your team enjoy this type of success amidst a global pandemic when, as you mentioned, you weren't even sure you were going to play a game this season. Kalani deserves um, everything that's coming to him right now. Um, a lot of people don't see what he does for, for each of us. He, um, with him being here early, with him leaving late, um, being able to, to coach us in, in every position, if it's offense or defense, um, he he really cares. Um, a lot of guys we, they don't see it, but Kalani takes the time to 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 talk to other players on the other team, making sure 
their their families are okay and that's just the type of guy he is he's, he's super loving and um we're grateful to have Kalani here and um very grateful to have him at BYU we love him here and hopefully he can stay another 40 years so yeah, we'll uh, check with him on that 40-year extension. Yep. Uh, dial, dial, up, <laughs> dial up Tom Holmo for that. Kairos, um, yep. before you go, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about your football future. I know that immediately it's North Alabama and then San Diego State on December 12th, and then who knows which bowl game you're going to play in. But there's a lot of NFL talk, and you're a prospect that is becoming more and more valued by a lot of these top NFL teams. How do you handle the pressure of that growing spotlight for NFL teams? Yeah, it's been um, it's been such a fun process. Uh, very fortunate to to even be in this position, um, but I haven't really uh, I haven't really been worried about it. Uh, I've been having fun with our team and. Um, it's been super easy to not get caught up with, with the media and with what everyone was saying outside the locker room. So it's it's easy to be with guys like um, that's on the team to make sure we're all bought in, making sure we're doing the right things and focusing on what we need to focus on. And it's been uh, paying off. So. Seriously, it has been paying off. Congratulations on everything thus far. And uh, the, the most li- uh, the most recent Kyra smash up on the Boise Blue. I mean, there, there were some good things happening up there, man. Let's give you some karma for this Saturday against North Alabama, and we'll see you on the weekend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Kairos Tonga on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Good to see the men's chorus still... Uh... Still chiming in with the... Uh, Gregorian chant? Yeah, yes. Kairos is awesome, right? It's been great to have him on this team. I'll be surprised if he comes back next year. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Eighth-ranked BYU football is a 47.5-point favorite on Saturday, as Jerem just pointed out. Only a 99.8% chance to win. UVU was 99.9 to win uh, a couple years ago. The Cougars, you may have heard, are unbeaten. 8-0, respected by national analysts and have a legit Heisman Trophy candidate and first-round NFL quarterback draft projection. But, Jerem, is there anything BYU and or Zach Wilson can do to improve their status Saturday against a team like North Alabama? Not much. You just need to show up and do what you're supposed to do, which is win and win convincingly. Hopefully stay healthy, right? Uh, I'm hoping that Lopini Cato and Zane Anderson and Tyler Batty maybe don't play. This isn't the game they need to play, although Tyler Batty's a young guy. That'd be fine. But save Lopini Katoa and Zane Anderson's ankles for San Diego State when that's a tougher challenge, certainly. And that's one of the top four toughest games on the schedule, we'd think. So you, and would secure a New Year's Six game should BYU win, we think. So, no, not a ton unless Zach does something crazy like throws seven touchdown passes. I would say he could negatively affect his stock a little bit if he threw, say, multiple interceptions or something. Um, that, could, that could be an issue. But I, I would say if he shows up and he throws for 250 and three-plus touchdowns, it's like, all right, check the box, keep the uh, completion percentage high. There's not a ton BYU can do. Listen, if BYU is still undefeated at the end of the year, people are going to notice the Cougars. Just stay undefeated, stay healthy, and stay thirsty, my friends. By nature... The idea of an FBS versus FCS team just isn't compelling. It's going to be really tough for any FBS team to make a statement on a national stage against a 
lower-tier opponent like this. 47.5 points. If BYU wins by 50, okay. That's like, yeah, okay, yeah. They did what we expected them to do. They got to win by 47.5 to cover? This is crazy. Hopefully it's 34-plus because that was the margin at Boise State. <laughs> like, if BYU wins by 40, are we going to be like, oh, what's wrong with the Cougars? No, uh, you shouldn't be. No, but it, it depends if it's 60 to 28. Like, yeah, do play play the perfect game is what Kalani Sitake said. That's, that's the goal. BYU's never going to play that game. That's the idea is they're going to continually pursue that. So as a team, I don't think there is much BYU can do it. They could win, as Trevor Maddich said yesterday, by 100 points. And people be like, wow, they scored 100 points? That's really rude. Why did they do that? Mm. And it would look bad on BYU. So, <laughs> Well, just let's hope North Alabama onside kicks it in the fourth <laughs> so that BYU keeps the starters in. <laughs> Come out, look fresh, look sharp, yep. do your thing, yep. score 40 points in the first half, win by 45 or 50, status quo. However... There is something that BYU can do that other teams are not doing on Saturday, Jerem, and that's just play a game. Mm-hmm. Play a game. Your sounds like, what is that? All of these postponements still, and they're just adding up once again. Miami can't play against Georgia Tech. Texas A&M can't play against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech can't play against Louisiana Monroe. That list is growing, and so BYU, just by showing up and playing a game, that feels like a victory. They're going to get to 9-0. and So don't take it for granted, BYU fans, that the Cougars are going to play a football game on Saturday, regardless of the opponent, because other teams would love to have the opportunity to play anybody. Just ask the Colorado Athletic Director or Arizona State or any of the schools I just mentioned. Talk to Utah. Yes. Didn't played yet. Playing a game is really important now. Just, just getting on the field. So that, to me, is something that BYU can do. They can achieve a victory just by getting on the field and having their highlights on TV. People like, oh, eighth-ranked BYU played. They're going to have to show them, even if it's ugly, because other games aren't happening. Yeah, it'll be something, right? And a little BYU TV watermark in there won't hurt either. Kalein's talk is teams have not blown out. uh, Well, yes, blowouts, but they haven't put out a gajillion points against FCS teams. In order, 37 to 7, 20 to 6, 33, 42, 10. I expect BYU to get to 50 or 60 in this game. That that would be the ideal. When you score 51 against Boise State, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're like you need to you need to get more points on the board than that. Yeah, let's go. Uh, and Zach Wilson should have a big game. I mean, he's had big games in almost every game this year, which brings us to our Zach Wilson Heisman update. Strike that pose. It's time for another Wilson for Heisman update. That's right. NCAA F Nation twenty four seven on Twitter as Wilson number two behind Florida quarterback Kyle Trask in its Heisman rankings. Mac Jones, Justin Fields after that. Uh, so. Zach Wilson continues to just show up everywhere. Just just look up Zach Wilson's name on Twitter right now. You're going to see lots of NFL fans going, hey, should we draft this guy? Bears fans frustrated last night during Monday Night Football going, we should pick Zach Wilson. People Photoshop him all the time in their jerseys. And pointing out, the last time that Chicago drafted a BYU quarterback, it seemed to work out pretty well. That wore a headband as well. How about that? And just maybe, Jerem, while BYU is not going to be able to do much nationally, Zach Wilson can pad the stats. What if he does throw for 500 yards? It just makes all of those numbers look better. He passes for 80%. Oh, there's no way BYU keeps him in long enough Five to pass touchdowns. for 500. But, yeah, it's more the, it's more the, uh, the numbers. Like completion percentage and t- overall TDs. His efficiency. Yeah, because I believe he leads the country in overall TDs, 
which is pretty cool. He is responsible to, for more points again, than any other player in America. That's pretty cool. 184, which I believe is 30 touchdowns and then a couple of two-point conversions. A couple of two-point conversions. He gets credit for those two? Even though, okay, interesting. Pete Thamel and uh, Pat Ford, uh, 40, of Yahoo College Sports Podcast, recently discussed if the Cougars or Cincinnati should schedule another game out of conference. Uh, in BYU's case, they're all out of conference. They also talked about where BYU would rank among Pac-12 teams, saying the Cougars are the second or even best team in the league <laughs> and have the best quarterback. Do you agree? I can't wait to watch the Pac-12 championship game in the Fiesta Bowl between Oregon and BYU, Jerem. That, that could be it's going to be amazing. Yes, the de facto <laughs> Pac-12 championship if you included BYU. Right now, because of how long BYU has been together and how many games they've played, yeah, I feel like they are at least the second best team in the league. We have to see more from Oregon. They're going to be explosive. But there's not one team in that league I look at right now and think, BYU couldn't beat that team. I mean, Right. Well, I, I only think that probably about like Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Those are like, okay, that'd be a significant challenge. Everybody else, I'm like, I would love to see that game. I think that'd be a fun Florida, fight. Florida, Texas A&M, I think those Cincinnati. would be fun fights. Yeah. And yeah, they're good teams, yeah, right, for sure. Right now, I, I think that's fair assessment. But when you're playing in a Power 5 conference, there's going to be more attrition. Like, there will be a greater chance for you to lose some of those games. But if we're just talking top to bottom, best team overall, talent, composure right now, experience, I think it's fair to say BYU is at least number two. Again, because I don't think there's any team in that conference that BYU cannot line up against right now and beat in the football game. I would love to see BYU play Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. I think that yeah. is a dream yeah. matchup. That'd be fun. Uh, it's so arbitrary to discuss talent. So let's discuss more like what we know, right? Which is like, how has BYU performed? Have they been efficient? Have they dominated? Yeah, BYU's, BYU could only play the games in front of them. And they've won all of them. I want to compare Oregon. So here we go. The So I, I took AP Poll, Sagarin, SP Plus, ESPN, FBI. This is probably the four we kind of care about the most, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Oregon has a slightly better average in those at this moment. Although Sagarin, I, I see Iowa in the top five, so I'm like, what? Uh, but anyway, uh, they're similarly based, BYU and Oregon. I don't know which one's better. We haven't seen enough volume from Oregon, right? But BYU is really stinking good. They're, like you said, they're in the top, they would be in the top two, I think, in the Pac-12. The issue... I ha- okay, the positive. BYU's dominated. They've been efficient. They've done nothing wrong. Literally nothing wrong. Oh, you played a close game with UTSA. I said early in the season, BYU's going to play a game close against somebody we didn't know, don't know who it was. It's going to happen. It happened. You know what didn't happen in BYU's biggest three games of the season? Those weren't close games. Those were blowouts. So at Navy, at Houston, at Boise State, 3-0, and and the margin of victory, a whopping... 103 points margin of victory. Are you kidding me? That's an average of 34.3 points per game in margin in the three biggest games. The human calculator, Spencer Linton. BYU's done nothing wrong. Um, I would love to see, like you said, the Pac-12 title game at the festival. That'd be fun. Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in the Pac-12, if you will. <laughs> I, I really hope that one day BYU's in that league. I know it has its issues, but I would love BYU to be in the Pac-12 one day. Hopefully this goes towards that one day in conference expansion. It's very complicated. There's nuanced uh, religious and liberal uh, vibes, you know, Stanford, Cal, and everybody else. It goes back to the 60s uh, quite a bit. So who knows? But I, what, BYU's done nothing wrong here. BYU's done everything right. They played. They played early. 
I think the reason that BYU is ranked ahead of Oregon currently is because BYU got a head start. I think if they started at the same time, Oregon's probably ranked ahead of BYU. But it's a fun conversation and one that our friends uh, in Salt Lake are probably hating. Yes, and let me double down on the full quote. Just for context purposes, clip (laughs) this off, in fact. Okay, clip this part off as I read the quote about who actually said this. From Yahoo College Sports Podcast during a conversation on the benefit for a Pac-12 team and a BYU or Cincinnati creating a game. Pete Thamel, I think BYU is the second best team in the Pac-12, and I don't think it's close. Pat Forty, they might be the first best. Pete Thamel, they could well be the best. That's very fair. They certainly have the best quarterback in the Pac-12, end quote. As we have discussed so many times on this show in the recent past, it's the national analysts driving this narrative about yeah, we, BYU. Yeah, we didn't bring it up. It's but. not originating here in Studio B. But we're sure as heck fire going to wave the flag. Yes, we will wave the flag of the national <laughs> analysts. Someone tweeted yesterday, I think it was Y underscore soup or something, said, man, that's weird that BYU TV's uh, commentators would make it, uh, you know, BYU friendly, <laughs> would cater to BYU fans. <laughs> That's who we're talking to here. Thanks for joining the channel. If you're not, like, welcome. Cal, let's go. Pac-12 championship in the Fiesta Bowl. The Pac-12 continues to be a headline across college football, but mm-hmm. probably not for reasons the conference is very excited about. They put out their protocols yesterday. <laughs> they shouldn't have put it out if they weren't excited about it. <laughs> for including non-conference games. And it includes, in that list... A scenario where if a non-conference team schedules a game with a Pac-12 team, yet another Pac-12 team has a cancellation and becomes available by Thursday, then good riddance to that non-conference setup, and we're going to go with the Pac-12 game as long as it's done by Thursday. It just feels way too complicated. Also, the teams have to abide by the Pac-12 COVID-19 testing protocols, which are very stringent. Yes, and only Pac-12 home games with Pac-12 TV partners. Yeah. Crazy. So, so ESPN, Fox, Pac-12, no. Well, BYU was asked about that. ESPN College Football Insider Heather Dinich reporting, a BYU school spokesman told me today, BYU remains open to exploring options to add football games this season with schools from any conference playing non-league games, including the Pac-12, and will evaluate week to week. Jerem, is it even worth it now? Should BYU try to jump through the Pac-12 hoops, all the red tape, in an effort to schedule a Power 5 game? No, I didn't want it before it was easy. Uh, when it was easy, and now it's not when easy. When it seemed easy? Yes. Uh, those protocols are ridiculous. Uh, oh, you got to meet our protocols. It's got to be at home for us. It's got to be on one of our TV networks, which if it's at home, then it's one of your TV networks. And then, uh, yeah, oh, and it could be canceled Thursday if we have two teams. No, this is stupid. BYU-Utah is not going to happen, and BYU against Pac-12 team isn't going to happen. So, no, no. 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 I didn't yeah. want it before, and now it's – Quite complicated, and if you have an opinion on it, and I know Ben Criddle does, uh, it's very interesting. It's just too much. It's too much. And Cougar Stats tweeted out, and I paraphrase from yesterday, the Pac-12 conference continues to (laughs) decrease their value by overvaluing what the conference is actually worth. Yeah. I still love the Pac-12. I still want BYU to be in the league, but they have some weird things going on with all of this. And... It, it's complicated, but it kind of boils down to, uh, you know, if, if your area in the country is of a certain way of thought, you are more conservative or more aggressive on all this stuff. And in order to play, the Pac-12 had to 
figure out some things that, hey, we're still maintaining safety as our primary thing, but there is some frustration uh, against the rigidity of that from certain fans, players, coaches, right? Some. Like all, <laughs> all these Utah youths are like, how do we not play? Like, yeah, the, it, it's, it's not the teams, you know, that are the ones that are, aren't the most frustrated. They're the most frustrated. They want to play. And I would like to see the Pac-12 play. I feel bad for Utah that they haven't had a single game, yet I kind of love it because here BYU is thriving while the Pac-12 is struggling. I, don't want, I wish everyone had played the same amount of games so we could really see where BYU fits in college football right now. Well, hopefully Utah gets that game with USC, and we finally have a chance to see what Utah can do against a 2-0 USC team that is sneaking right. by teams. And even then, it's one game, like – if you'd only seen BYU-UTSA, you'd think BYU wasn't a top-10 team, right? So I, I want to see several games. I want to see like five games from Utah to assess. Who wants a Pac-12 game with that type of stringent protocol in place? What, that's what I which, know. Which, by the way. Which non-conference team is like, oh, yeah, we'll do whatever. We'll put ourselves an through FCS just that craziness. Wants, an FCS that wants money. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, so an FCS. That, but does the Pac-12 have money to pay an FCS school? I don't. I don't know. Maybe not. I BYU tests three times a week. By the way, not enough for the the Pac-12. Thinks that's not enough. Not enough. That's not enough. It's crazy. Three times a week, every day. Is that what they're doing? They wonder why all of these games are getting canceled. How did they think that seven games were going to fit into seven weeks with that? I don't even want to do the dishes every day, let alone COVID testing. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Ay ay ay. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We welcome in now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom, a guy we've wanted to talk to for a while. His name is Richard Harward, BYU basketball power forward slash center. Richard, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, thanks for having me. What's better right now, your skill set or the mustache you're rocking right now? Oh, man, I think it's the mustache, to be honest. <laughs> I've been working on this for a hot minute. <laughs> Can we call you a power center? Is that a thing? Uh, sure. I don't know. <laughs> Are you more of a center or a power forward? I've always been like a solid center. So I guess just more of the center. <laughs> We've heard everyone talk about your game and your style of play from coach Pope on down through the rest of the roster, but we need to hear from you. How would you define your style of play and basketball skill set? Uh, my style of play is like really physical, kind of big body. Like growing up, I was a really uh, chunky kid. So I was always just in the bottom, just being a bruiser. So I just kind of developed that and decided to change it from being like, you know, overweight to more like muscle and changing it. So I'm a bruiser, hard nose around the rim. And I try to be an energy guy. I just try to get everyone pumped and like working hard on the court. I always see you energetic and excited, and, and my favorite interview ever is the no question I asked you after the practice. You just came up to the mic. You said, you know, what you wanted to say, and let's go, boys, and then you just stormed off. I was like, that's the greatest interview I've ever done. When did you, uh, and, and when did this begin, and who did you get this from, or where did you get this from, all this energy? Um, all the energy. Like, I don't know. So I was actually really shy and quiet at UVU. But like when I came out, like, yeah, you can ask Popper, like even like Wyatt when he was over there, like I'd show up to practice, wouldn't say a word. 
And then I don't know. I think I just felt more comfortable over here at BYU. I feel a lot more at home with these guys. We all get along. We're all like brothers. So it's like I feel like I can be more vocal and I can speak my mind a lot more. Are you telling us at one point you did have an inside voice? Because Coach Pope says you don't have an inside <laughs> voice right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was, I was real quiet. I wouldn't say a word. Like I was on the bench. It's kind of the quiet, like golf claps, like "Good job, guys." But <laughs> now, now I'm comfortable. Now I'm not shy. I can. I'll let you know. <laughs> Are you the guy that is playing like Mark Pope feels? Does that make sense? Like Mark Pope's an energetic guy. Do you sort of oh. embody that on the court? Um, I try to like he's told me he's like the thing that you can do best for this team is rebound defend and like bring energy so either when you're on the court or when you're on the bench so it's like last year I knew I couldn't really do much for the team on the court so I was like hey from the bench I'll be the loudest guy in the nation like I'll try to be the most energetic bench player. (laughs) Richard Harward BYU basketball power center power this on BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of uh, UVU you alluded to it a little bit saying that you're kind of quiet We've heard that your, your, I guess, path didn't always include basketball in the long term, but you turned a corner emotionally and confidence-wise. What happened at Utah Valley to kind of propel you on to, no, I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to be really good at it. So what, what kind of happened is I came off my mission, and I originally signed at UVU with Coach Hunsaker, and then he ended up uh, stepping down, and uh, Coach Pope came in, and Coach Pope kind of kept me on board. But then I got off my mission, everything. And then when I was playing, I just wasn't doing well. And I ended up having conversations with the coaches like, hey, I don't know if basketball is the choice for me. They were talking about uh, me going to like Westminster or something, like going to a D2 or JUCO. And then uh, I just kind of got stubborn. Like we had a team trip where we hiked to the top of Timp. And then it was just kind of like I was kind of ahead of the pack most of the time because I like being by myself when I hike. And I just had this like moment of clarity like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to be here for the guys. Like I want to do the hard things kind of, kind of a deal. Then we got down from the hike and then like, I just kind of told coaches like, Hey, I'm not leaving. I want to stay. I want to prove myself. Like I want to, I've been an underdog my whole life. I want to prove it again that I can do it. And then, uh, through a freak accident, uh, one of our players, uh, one of the, uh, starting bigs like broke his pinky in practice. And Pope told me, he's like, Hey, like you're going to play tonight. Like we need you to bring it. And I ended up having a great game. I think I had a double-double. It was like my first legit playing time in college. And then that was like a huge moment for me. It's like, hey, like I can play. Like I can compete at this level. Like I can finally show everyone that I'm as good as I think I am. Like I can contribute to the team. And it was just like this big moment for me. Like, hey, this is like this is my chance to like show it. That's fantastic. Everyone needs a breakthrough, right? And many a person has hiked to the top of Mount and found knowledge right? Uh, we, we read that in many books. Um, did you want to come to BYU as a kid? Because your brother Ian played here. We got to know him a little bit. Did you grow up a Cougar? Oh, uh, yeah. I grew up like my brother committed when I was like, oh, I can't. But I was really young when my brother committed to play here. So it's like from then I grew up coming to all the games, like watching it, getting really excited, like feeling so lucky because I got those like player seats that were a little bit closer to the floor, getting to actually like hear the players interact with each other. And it's just like, I was like, I want to be a cougar. I'm a, I'm, I'm a diehard cougar. <laughs> so out of high school, you wanted to come to BYU. You went to UVU mm-hmm. with uh, Hunsaker. Pope comes over. Did you ever think like, hey, maybe BYU is an option later? Or when Pope came over, that was the door that opened? Um, it was kind of when Pope came over. Like, I, I still played a little bit of hard nose, like hard to get kind of thing when uh, <laughs> he initially came over. <laughs> but it's just like, I was looking at all my options. But I was like, hey, I get to play at BYU my dream school. 
And then I get to face these amazing, like I get to face Gonzaga. Like that's like one of the biggest platforms you can play basketball. Like this is a chance for me to like prove to myself and prove to everyone. It's like, Hey, like we can play, we can compete. So it's like coming to BYU was that dream come true. And like Pope coming over and then him taking all the assistant coaches, which I like, I love these guys there. I'll like take a bullet for them. So like watching them all come over, I was like, I have to follow. I have to go with them. We're talking with Richard Harwood of BYU basketball. Now, Richard, I know you've been growing that mustache for a long time, but you've been waiting even longer to play an actual game for BYU. How would you explain the time off watching your teammates almost, what, a year and a half? Oh, it, it's the worst experience of my life. I'm not going to lie. I think retro years are miserable. Like, we have to do, like, every single ref and practice is the practice squad. We have to go and do a full lift afterwards, and then we don't even get the reward of playing a game. Like, I remember sitting here, like, at the home game for when we were facing Gonzaga here, and it's just, like, dying on the inside because it's like, I know Cole's ready. I know Yoli's are going to kill it. But I'm just like, put me in. Like, this is a tough moment. Like, I can body. I can take Patrusif. Like, I can take these dudes. But it's like you're just sitting there dying on the bench, and you're just like, oh, well, guess I can yell really loud. <laughs> and you guys did, and so did everyone else in the Merritt Center. That was a magical night and, and very, very fun. Let's talk about the role you played last year on the, uh, on the scout squad, as you, you mentioned. Colby Lee, uh, Mark Popa said you helped develop Colby Lee by physically challenging him in practice a lot. I'm sure it was with Yoli Childs as well and Gavin Baxter when he came back. What role did you play then, and how is that different now for you? Um, like, Colby and I, like, I see him as, like, a brother almost. Like, uh, watching him develop and, like, being able to play against him every single day. Like, it's been amazing to watch. Since the coaches taught him, taught him how to do that quick shot, he has, like, exploded. Like, he's one of the most efficient players I've ever seen. He works – I have to watch my language. He works really hard, and he, like, um, plays defense really solid. And it's just, like, watching that. And, like, this year I don't play against him as much. Now it's, like, I'm on the same team as him or, like, we're kind of alternating between the two of us. So it's more of, like, that support from the sideline or, like, pulling him aside after, like, critiquing, like, hey, there's a good chance to use your quick right there and you kind of turn it down. Or right here, this was a good opportunity to pass it. And it becomes more of, like, a joint thing rather than me trying to get him better from the competitive side. You're just days away from your first actual game in a BYU uniform. We've talked about the emotions of waiting. What do you anticipate when you run out on the floor, albeit in a strange pandemic scenario where there are no fans? Uh, I, I've talked about this before. It's like I'm kind of used to not having a ton of fans, like nothing against BYU, <laughs> but it doesn't have the fan base that BYU has. BYU's fan base is insane, like, just like being part of that Gonzaga game compared to like any of my experiences at UVU, it's just like, I'm kind of used to a little bit of a smaller crowd. So for me, it's just like another game. Like I feel like our team does a good job of bringing the energy for each other. Yeah. On the road uh, in the whack is one thing, right? It's It's going to be all right. And there will be some family members, which will be good. Right. Uh, at least somebody in there, but uh, you, I think I know the answer to this question, but I want to ask you, do you have to start to be happy? Like start like start in the games. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Like no! Like I I've learned that like Pope does an amazing job of like getting everyone on board with this. Starting is like a cool title, but at the end of the day, it's like you can score forty points, but if you lose, nobody cares. Like you can be the all star of a terrible team, and no one really cares about it. But if you're like a really good contributor to a team that wins, that's when people start to notice. And like everyone on our team started to buy into that idea. It's like. I, I don't care necessarily about starting. It's more about what can I do to help the team win this game? Because if we win this game, it's going to be better for everyone. 
We saw that last year, especially with Dalton Nixon and Zach Sayas, guys that had started before but then became role players off the bench and their contribution one game might be 10 points, but it might just be taking, in Dalton Nixon's case, he took like three charges in a game, I remember, last year. Zach Sayas blocking the St. Mary's shot, making some free throws. How does Mark Pope get you guys to buy into that? Because that is amazing culture. And you guys have the T-shirts, hashtag BRLA, Best Locker Room America, or BLRA. How, how does Mark Pope get you guys to buy into that? Well, first of all, Mark Pope is one of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my life. Like, he brings so much energy, and he's very good at persuading and also getting you to see the logic behind what he's saying. But it's also that something I've noticed being with Pope for a while is the people he goes after, the guys he goes after to recruit, have a certain personality. Guys who are kind of underdogs or may feel like they have a chip on their shoulder, but then he kind of uses that energy and kind of motivates in the right way. Instead of having that chip on the shoulder come and say, like, I have to be the all-star, it's more of like, I want to come prove to the world that we win. We're on a winning team. Like the team is what's most important. And I think it really comes down to Pope and all the coaches and how well they are at like how well they do at teaching us and like getting us to buy in and put our own agendas to the side. Richard, it's great to talk with you, man. We cannot wait to watch you play for BYU basketball. basketball. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to go and crush it in those early games. And of course, to continue to manicure that mustache. Uh, you know, <laughs> thanks, Richard. Thank you. He's awesome, man. Oh, he's incredible. I, he's so much energy, so much skill. He's going to contribute right away. And he, like, like he said, he may not start, but he is a starter quality. It, it just may be certain matchups, right? Like, I think Matt Harms is a starter, and then. Harwood's probably a starter. It's a good problem to have. Yes, you need depth. Colby Lee, Gavin Baxter. Yes, like <laughs> I, you could start any combo of those those three is the other spot. I'm pretty sure Matt Harms. Oh, by the start. way, Wyatt Lowell's coming back in a few weeks. Yeah, I wouldn't put him in the same category with them. But yes, yes, it's it's a good problem to have yeah. size and plenty of it for BYU, which is the exact opposite of last year. Yes, very different, different uh, squad. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. You may have never heard the name Mike Nascimento, but after you see this, you won't forget it. Mike Nascimento broke his back as a teenager and was told he might not be able to tie his shoes again, let alone play football at BYU. Well, he proved them wrong. He's, here's Deep Blue, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. So I was the last to be picked in every sport. My nickname was Bones because I was 5'10", 115 pounds. His nickname was Bones because that's all he was, was was a little bit of flesh and bones, but mostly bones, not a lot of flesh. So freshman football was kind of a hilarious moment. We actually were 0-9 for the season. Uh, We weren't good at all. We we were terrible. So so the score was 0-0, very last game of the year. B team as a freshman uh, cornerback and the quarterback knew who I was and he started to try and pick on me and he threw it two times into these two wild passes and sure enough the next throw he had he wobbled that thing up in the air and I just went straight for it beat the receiver to the ball and took it about 55 yards for a touchdown I don't believe it. <laughs> 
so we won that game 6-0. It was actually the only game we won that year. We couldn't even score an extra point. We were just screaming and shouting and yelling and just so excited about it. And I, I thought to myself, well, he's in. He's going to be doing well for Marshall. Well, you know, you're, you're sitting there thinking, okay, freshman year leads to either JV or a potential varsity opportunity. And, you know, so many things went not according to plan, uh, at least for Mike. It was all about the fact that there had been whiplash in the van and where Mike was seated, just it hit it just right. He had a broken back. He just looked so skinny and it looked like it was a lot of pain. And, and it, it used to, it, it always made me very sad because I knew he wanted to play football. I know people felt sorry for me. You know, I could feel that. I could feel that like my parents didn't know what to do. And the coaches are all telling him, Mike, you're never going to be able to play football again. You're never going to be able to play football again. Everybody's telling him, you can't, you can't, you can't. I mean, that's all I thought about. And, and it's hard not to think about it because you're in pain all day long. That's all you feel is pain. I was like, there's no way that it can be this bad. But then when I had to watch him put on this brace all the time, I had to watch him not be able to play. I had to watch him not even be able to participate in, like, you know, uh, silly little church activities. And just something kind of just awakened in me. And I realized that no matter what happened, I could do whatever it took to make my dreams a reality. So after the brace came off, the doctor said, we can go in for surgery and we're gonna fuse three year vertebrae together, the one above and the one below. And I thought, okay, cool, let's have the surgery. And then after that, I'll be able to play football then, right? He said, no. He's like, you'll be lucky if you will to tie your shoes. He says, no, I want to play football. And then he starts getting into a fight with his doctor. I'm like, I'm not going to go in for surgery if it means I'm not going to have the life I used to have. And he said, there's another way, but, but you're never going to do it. And the doctors look at him like, Mike, you'd have to do 500 slow sit-ups before I'd ever let you on the football field again. And we went home. And he didn't have to wear the bob anymore, but he um, he started doing sit-ups. So it started out with X number of sit-ups. It's like full crunches. Once Mike got to the point where he could do however many sit-ups they told him were required, he increased it on his own. And then he put weights on his chest. It seemed ridiculous at times. You look at the kid and he was sitting over there doing sit-ups. It's like, good gosh, man, give it a rest. He couldn't give it a rest. He knew what he wanted after the sit-ups. You know, he wasn't the best athlete, but he worked at it and became a self-made athlete. So, you know, I have a lot of praise for his efforts and what he did. Determined to be a force, determined to make things happen, wasn't afraid of work. I don't know when the switch flipped and he decided I could probably go be a college athlete, broken back or not. I literally walked into the coach's office April of my junior year and I said, my name is Mike Nascimento. I want to play football for BYU. 
I was focused on Boise State, Thursday night game, ESPN game. I'm suiting up. I'm getting on the field. On Boise State side, they got an explosive offense. They're the top they were scoring the a lot of points, so I was on the field a lot. And I was on punt cover. Nate Solberg, starting cornerback, he was coming from the right side. He came through, missed, and I was right there. My first and only tackle playing football for BYU, that validated all the work that I put in for the seven, eight years leading up to that tackle in the snow. That tackle, that moment will always be mine. It's about me being hit by a drunk driver when I was 14. It's a mindset that he carries that very few people have, that no one will dictate what's coming next for him. That was his reward. I go run stadiums once a week, and every time I go to the stadium, I know exactly where my tackle was, and I'm like, that's it? And like, I feel so much energy when I'm there. It's like BYU, that stadium, that field. It kind of winks at me and says, you know, you were glad you were here. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds weird, but it's like, that's why we are here, to make stories like yours reality. Amazing are sports. It gets me right. We all have that experience in Lavelle Edwards Stadium <clears throat> in some capacity. I'm really emotional right now watching that. I've seen that story 20 times, uh, and it gets me every time. Uh, we had a lot of great reaction from people. People love yeah. that one. At Brady Papinga, this guy was my workout partner my gray shirt year in 2001. He and I worked and competed like crazy with one another. He was huge in helping me get myself back in shape after two years off. And then Isaiah Kafusi. Uh, linebacker on the team now. I'm grateful for guys like Mike Nascimento and Kyle Morrell. I've never met them personally, but know they laid the foundation for our program. I'm grateful for all our alumni. Their legacy lives on through us. Go Cougs. There's a life lesson absolutely to be learned there. You and uh, Mike Nascimento, pretty special. You see what it means to just that one moment. Everything he was building for that moment. Was By like, the way, if you have a great idea for Deep Blue, just tweet at me. You know who gave us the idea for the Mike Nascimento story? John, by the way. Perfect. John, by the way, texted me one night, and I go, oh, that sounds pretty good. So uh, awesome for Mike. And uh, tweet at me if you got a great idea. Let's tell a great story. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is NBA Draft Eve, and to celebrate BYU's top draft hopeful, Yoli Childs, we bring you his top five plays all time in a BYU uniform, brought to you by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Number five, Jerem. Let's go at San Francisco 2017, freshman year. One dribble, one-handed dunk over Jimbo Lowe. Is that a young Jimbo Lowe? Didn't have a beard. Oh, oh wow. Freshman Yoli Child, give me some of that. 
Okay. 23 and 17 in that game in a win. Number four. In San Diego, part of his magical senior season, down one with 11 seconds left. Yoli Childs, dunk you very much from TJ Haas to win the game. Yes, a game winner on an alley-oop 72-71. BYU survives in the Slim Gym. Number three, Gonzaga, 2020 senior night. Shot clock winding down. Yoli Childs told me, I don't know why I did this. I don't shoot this shot. But bang, three-pointer, <laughs> big game. against number two, Gonzaga, 28-10. and 10. He made that shot over five-star Drew Timmy. The play-by-replay with Jake Toulson and Yoli Childs from this game is quite hilarious. Yes, you can see that on, uh, I believe, uh, BYTV.org in the app. It is available on demand. Number two. How about more from arguably the greatest senior night in BYU basketball history? Yoli's final points in the Marriott Center. Oh, from Connor Harding. An emotional, energetic, emphatic Throwdown to punctuate his career in Provo. BYU takes down number two Gonzaga, 91-78. Childs finished with 28 points and 10 rebounds in this game in one of the greatest wins in program history. Oh, it was so good. Okay, and the number one Yoli Childs play at BYU against Utah in Salt Lake. TJ Haas, Yoli Childs. Oh! The teeth grinder. Oh, my gosh. Yoli Childs throws down up and over two Utah defenders, and that's when we knew he was one of the best ever. Uh, Booth Gotch still recovering from that mental injury. And Novak, is it Topalovic? Topalovic. Topalovic. There you go. Yeah, I don't think Novak ever they have, recovered they have, they have not been seen since. <laughs> Booth transferred, okay? But Booth's like, Booth's <laughs> like I, I am out of here. I'm out! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the top five plays from Yoli Childs at Brigham. Now, we bring that up because the NBA draft is tomorrow. We're hoping that uh, Yoli Childs is the first NBA draft pick for BYU since Jim or Fredette. Man, it's been a it's been, decade. It's been, it's been a de- nine years. A minute. Yeah. Let's play Know the Foe with Alabama, the Lions, presented BYU by Tim Daly. Nation asks, do you know the foe? Presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Ben Bagley, what do you have for us? Well, as always, we did the coin flip during the break, and this time it was oversaw by the law firm of Ducksworth, Shaver, and Gross. Shout out to Harris Collier on that one. Okay. All right, let's start with Jerem. You won the toss. You elected to receive. You get the first question. Where did the city of Florence, Alabama's name originate? Was it from in honor of Florence Nightingale, Florence Henderson, from Florence, Italy, or Florence DuPont, who founded the city? I'm guessing C, Florence, Italy. Yes. Correct. You know, it's next to Louisiana, French, you know, maybe in Alabama, they're like, Italy! Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The European yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. I don't when know I a lot of Alabama, Italians in Alabama. Italian food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The meatballs. Uh, all right, Spencer. A famous historical site in Florence, Alabama, is Pope's Tavern, not Mark Pope's Tavern. Okay. It's Pope's Tavern. Okay. What is it famous for? A Civil War hospital, a stagecoach stop, a tavern, or all of the above? Is the Pope's Tavern famous for the tavern? <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. Yes, it's been all the above. Wow. A hospital and a tavern all at the same time. When I think Civil War hospital, I think liquor. And Florence. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. All right, Jeremy, we're back to you. Florence, Alabama hosts the Alabama oh, Renaissance Fair, which boy. features oh, the nation's largest LARPing <laughs> competition. True or false? True. Oh, nice one. It nice. does host the Renaissance Fair, but there is no LARPing involved. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. <laughs> All right, Spencer, back to you. Which one of the following famous movie characters were played by a North Alabama alum? Was it Superman? Was it Forrest Gump? Was it James Bond? Or was it Lando Calrissian? Mm, I'm going to go with Superman. Oh, no, it was Forrest Gump. It's the young Forrest Gump. The young Forrest He's Gump, a yes. UNA grad. Michael Connor Humphreys. You read about that in the notes. I read the game notes. Yes, I did. <laughs> All right, Jerem, okay. UNA boasts the only living lion mascot in the country, living on campus. What is that lion's name? Leo is the it, Third. Uh, win. That's a win. Yeah. Also the notes. Dang. I'm the sideline reporter. I'm like way more yeah. prepared this week. Yeah. It's not fair for me. All right, you get Spence. You got to get this one to Ty Jerem. Which PGA golfer hails from Florence, Alabama? Is it Stuart Sink, Keegan Bradley, Billy Ray Brown, or John da- John Daly? I don't know. I don't know. This one. <sighs> Keegan Bradley. Mm, Who is it? No, it's Stuart Sink. Oh, it's Stuart. oh really? I was hoping you'd go for Billy Ray Brown, but nope. No, <laughs> Wasn't taking that bait. Good one. Listen, this Jerem is a challenging situation for no. The, yeah, this, thank you. That was great. I enjoy this so much. I love this segment. Not not because I answered a few correctly, but I just like it. Even if I, I love, miss them all, I love it. I love winning. Even if I miss them all, I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Ben Bagley. And, uh, yes, another epic edition of Know the Always Foe. good. Always good. The best research we have all week is in that segment. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Hopefully Taste Mills is amazing. Yeah, let's go. Okay, if you're the BYU coaches, are you planning on not having Zach Wilson in the second half? No, I think Zach Wilson will play at least one or two series in the third quarter. They want to keep him fresh. Remember, BYU right now doesn't have another game until December 12th. Yeah, two weeks. And he's got a Heisman campaign going. Pad the stats a little bit. Help the cause. And understand he's not going to play for three weeks unless BYU goes out and gets another game. Now, here's the key. The BYU offense line does, has done a really nice job of keeping him protected. He's not been sacked very much. He's not been touched. He's not been hit. Um, and he's, he is not crazy aggressive in running just at the goal line. So I, I'm hoping – they can't predetermine that, of course – but I'm hoping he doesn't play a ton in the second half if BYU is up. It all depends on the margin at that point. Like you said, just throw eight touchdown passes in the first half, and throw it's eight, all good. Throw eight in the first. It's all good. Check that box. Set a BYU record. Jerem, do you want the fourth-string quarterback, the scout team star, Jacob Conover, a four-star recruit out of Arizona, Gunnar Romney's high school quarterback? Do you want to see him play tomorrow? I do. I will be by him like a hawk. To if they let me, I don't know if they'll let me. I'm the sideline reporter. We don't we don't even know where I can go right now. Uh, I hope so. I don't know that he's prepared with plays in the game because he's typically the scout squad guy. So he's not prepping BYU's offense. He's prepping the opponent. I don't know how many series there are going to be for the BYU backup quarterbacks if it gets out of control early and the game really comes to a screeching halt, like it often does in the second half. There might yeah. only be like 
four or five total series without Zach Wilson in there. I would imagine that. Well, that's if North Alabama's moving the ball. Two or three go to Zach Wilson, or sorry, to Baylor Romney, and then where's Sol J. Maiava going to come in? I'd like to see him Sol- play. Sol J. Maiava Peters is the third string. I don't know that we're going to see him. I'd like to, but I don't think we will. Yeah. Okay, and the next one starts with a stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Taysom Hill has 205 NFL career passing yards in the regular season. In the NFL, you typically don't add the playoff stuff. So will Taysom Hill surpass that number Sunday? I hope so, for his sake. I hope there's a touchdown pass in there. Hopefully not a turnover. And if there is... I'm saying 205. Passing. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I don't know. He'll probably have... 250 total yards, but I don't know how he's going to get there. That's it? That's not a lot in the NFL. <sighs> how much are they going like, to run with like Alvin Pat- Kamara? If Alvin Kamara is not healthy, then absolutely Taysom Hill is going to pass for more than 205 yards. If Alvin Kamara is healthy, they might hand it off a ton. Yeah. if you're, yeah, The Saints typically are a sub, uh, you know, or 400-plus yard kind of offense. So hopefully it's two, 200 and then like, yeah, 50. 250-50 would be nice, but... Yeah, if you, if you don't throw for 300 in an NFL game, it's like, what, what happened with the passing? It's just a different era. Mm. BYU will play nine games on ESPN this college basketball season. We outlined the seven in West Coast Conference play. And have a number of games still open for CBS Sports to come in and take if they so choose. If yep. not, it falls to BYU TV. Jerem, which games are we hoping CBS Sports Network does not take so that BYU TV can do their thing? I'm not going to say so they don't know. Because if we say it out loud, maybe they'll take it. No, <laughs> I imagine that Boise State, which the Mountain West has a relationship with CBS, CBS Sports Network in football and basketball, I imagine that will go in non-con. And then uh, conference, they'll just take some of the next best. But we'll be here no matter what. That's, that was part of independence. We're here to make sure there are national games if ESPN, and in this case now, if CBS Sports Network broadcasts that. Get the prop picks brought to you by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Jason Shepard with a four-point lead over Jerem and myself. It's time to take some risks, my friend. Number one, will there be more Zach Wilson rushing touchdowns against North Alabama or Baylor Romney touchdown passes? Push. I am taking a push here as well. Okay, combined effort here. Jason is going with Zach Wilson on the over rushing touchdowns. Okay, more points scored for BYU in the first and third or second and fourth? I'm going to go first and third quarters here. Okay. I know BYU's been great in the second quarter. Jason says the same. I say second and fourth, just to be done. Okay. Number three, more Soljay Mayava Peters pass attempts, Sione Finau touchdowns, or Baylor Romney touchdown passes. Finau touchdowns. Yes. You'll get a lot of runs. I'm with you. Finau, Finau touchdowns. Jason Shepard is going with Baylor Romney. Over under 55 points for Brigham. Over. I want BYU to do something that we don't think they can do against a slow-paced team. I say over. BYU scored 42 in an FCS game. Max was close to more. Okay. Top 10 offense. Let's go. Jason says under. Okay, number five. More BYU punts or interceptions by the BYU defense. I'll go picks. It's hilarious that I actually have to contemplate this. That's how good BYU's offense has been. (laughs) I'm going to go push here. Okay. And Jason says more punts. Which surprises me, because typically he's going after interceptions or something more aggressive, and it's paid off for him. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast 
every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.